0: Well, we're in part two of our series, You Asked For It. The series, You Asked For It. If you're wondering what the series is all about, basically it's about you. It's about you asking a question and we get to respond. And so last month we gave out some little flyers and said, hey, what do, you want? what do you want asked? What do you want us to respond to in church? And so last week Someone wrote, someone wrote, and we responded, we responded last week about the authenticity of the Bible. How do we know the Bible we have today is what Jesus and the disciples had way back then, 2000 years ago? How do we know that? There's all these different versions, it has been changed, and all these things like this. So last week we looked at the authenticity of the Bible, the authoritative uh, power of Scripture, that was last week. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back onto YouTube. It actually made it on YouTube, so it's there. So have a look, it was a, it was a, it was a great message. So today, today is, is, is quite a heavy, heavy question. A uh, very heavy question. It's really interesting, whenever you ask people, hey, let us ask some of your questions. And sometimes, you know, well, some of the questions we get are pretty heavy. So this is what I'm going to be talking about today. This is a question that came in. It was this, about divorce in the Christian church. About divorce in a Christian church. I decided to answer this question because this is a question we get quite a lot. I mean, not just in church, but when I'm talking to people. This is a question that comes up a lot. So I think this is very important for us to have a look at this. And they go on, especially as it is common and a legal practice in New Zealand. it's it's actually a a, divorce is a common and legal practice in most parts of the world i can't speak for all the world but i know for most parts of the world it is a common and legal practice in fact divorce is a legal practice in the bible that might be scandalous for some of you to to hear that but it's true Um, did you know that in some churches you cannot be an elder if you uh, are remarried, if you've been divorced, you cannot be an elder, and you certainly cannot be a pastor if you've been remarried or if you've been in a divorce. For many people who are divorced, for many people who are divorced or remarried, it's, it's kind of like a stigma. You kind of feel that you have the shame that kind of that carries around with you. It's almost like divorce and you've been remarried in the church it almost feels like the unforgivable sin. Right? Because you read scripture and you go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's the unforgivable sin because I'm, I'm, I'm perpetually in sin. And we read these things and we, and we feel that, oh no, I, I cannot be forgiven. Can I just say that there is no sin that is unforgivable. No sin by the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, hey, uh, Jesus talked about the unforgivable sin, but it was talking about unbelief. Unbelief. But there is no sin that is unforgivable. I just want to say that. So true or false, I like asking true or false questions, true or false, okay, this is going to be an interesting question, get yourself ready, put your seatbelt on, true or false, God is a divorcee, God is a divorcee, okay, and some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm not sure whether to answer or not, some of you are pretty confident, just put it out there, and others are like, I'm not sure, this is a trick question, what's going on here, Uh, The answers may surprise you, so we're going to go to to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8. In fact, I encourage you, read the wall of Jeremiah uh, 3 and and chapter 4, and this is what it says, I gave fatherless Israel her certificate of divorce, and I sent her away because of all her adulteries. It's like, what? (laughs) That's in the Bible? That God divorced Israel and sent away because of her adulteries. What does adulteries mean? It's when we read the Bible, the prophets continue to warn Israel because they keep they keep being following other gods and, and, and keep loving after the gods and chasing all these gods. And God keeps forgiving them, keeps forgiving them, and, and keeps to come back home, longing for them. And kept coming, come back home, come back home. But they kept sleeping around with other gods, is what the prophet is saying. But God kept on forgiving, kept on forgiving, kept on forgiving. Until they came to a point where it was was obvious that Israel did not want God. And so God held Israel to account and divorced Israel and gave her a certificate of divorce. I gave fatherless Israel her certificate of divorce and I sent her away because of her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah. So during this time, the nation of Israel had been split into two nations. The northern, the northern nation was called Israel, which God gave the certificate of divorce. And what happened to Israel? If, if you're familiar with history, the, um, they got taken by the Syrians, and Israel no longer exists. They get wiped out, gone. And Judah's the southern, the the southern tribes, the southern child, Judah and Benjamin. He says yet. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. Now Judah gets taken away in captivity by Babylon, but God brings her back. So it's really interesting, because Jeremiah is saying that God is a divorcee. That's what Jeremiah is saying, that God is a divorcee, which is really interesting, because in some churches, God can't serve on the eldership, nor can he be the pastor. Sorry, God, I know you spun a universe into creation out of your very being, but rules are rules. We can't break it even for you. Okay? So it's really, really interesting. You need to understand something. I am not advocating for divorce. If anything else, we are more, we advocate marriage and protection of marriage. That's who we are. But I'm simply responding to a question. If you're looking for a title for today's message, it is What does the Bible say about divorce? What does the Bible say about divorce? Are you ready? <laughs> okay. So what's really interesting. That, that is that, according to the Old Testament, according to the Tanakh, if you, to the uh, to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew scriptures, according to the Hebrew scriptures, there are four grounds for divorce. The four, the bare minimum, the four bare minimum for divorce. If you want a divorce in the Old Testament, if you wanted a divorce in the time of Jesus, these were the the four grounds for divorce, and they're found in in two parts of Scripture within the Torah, within the law, um, the law of Moses, the, the, the uh, conditions of the covenant that God gave to Israel, ancient Israel. And so we've, we go to the first one, which is Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. So let's have a look at Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. And this is what it says. All right, let's give some context for this verse, okay? So give a context. This is the lowest form of a wife, okay? So um, so if someone sells his daughter into slavery, we need to understand something. Slavery in the Bible in ancient times is not like slavery today. Slavery today was, uh, today we we kind of think of race-based slavery. Back in those days, if you couldn't afford, if you found yourself in debt, people would sell themselves into slavery to pay that debt, and then they're free again. This is what it it looked like. And we know what what debt is like here. And debt, debt is like you are a slave to debt. Well, they literally sold themselves in slavery until they could pay off a debt. This is what it's talking about. So this is the context here is if, if a father sells his daughter into slavery, the reason being is because he's in debt and needs to pay it off, and say, so now the owner, the owner of this young girl decides, so you know what, you, you, I want you to marry my son. Marry my son. Now, when she marries the son, the Bible says, now you must treat her not as a slave but as a daughter. She's no longer a slave but a daughter. And this is where the story picks up in Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. If he marries another woman... So he's married this, this slave girl. Now he marries another woman. And he says this, he must not, everybody says not, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. Sexual intimacy. or intimacy, this, 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 this word in Hebrew is quite compact. Marital rights, sexual intimacy, intimacy, love and affection. Um, verse 11, if he does not provide her with these three things, she is to go free without any payment of money. So here's this young girl. She enters into this relationship as a slave. Because her husband mistreats her, she can then divorce her husband and she leaves free, a free woman. So this this law is very protecting of women. It, it sounds, but this is strange. This is this is where we're going. So here we go. So these so we, three grounds for divorce according to the Old Testament. Is depriving of food, clothing, and marital relationship intimacy. The fourth ground is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. That gets very controversial by the time of Jesus, and we'll get there. So, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1 says this If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. Right? If the woman does something that displeases him by doing something indecent, indecent. And the word there for indecent uh, is the the word evat. Evat means nakedness, and nakedness is another word for sexual immorality. There's some unfaithfulness going on, something unfaithful going on. So if a man marries a woman and and she's been unfaithful, then those are grounds for divorce. And he gives her, writes a certificate and gives it to her. So the foregrounds in the Old Testament for divorce is sexual immorality, adultery, being unfaithful, um, being deprived of food, clothing, and marital rights, or intimacy. Those are the foregrounds, the the bare minimal, this I'm just going for, we're just doing teaching from the Bible, this is what we're doing. So here's the thing, so if your wife won't cook for you, if she won't sew your clothes, does wife doesn't sew your clothes anyway? If she won't cook for you, sew your clothes, won't sleep with you, well, then those are grounds for, the, for divorce or she can, she's unfaithful. But it's also vice versa. If the husband does not provide food for her, if the husband does not provide clothing for her, if the husband um, is not intimate with her, if the husband is unfaithful, she can divorce her husband. It went both ways. It wasn't just only a guy could divorce a wife. It went both ways. In both ways, and and here's the thing, this is what's very empowering. What's so different with what God gave to Israel compared to all the other nations around them? This is this is this is groundbreaking. He writes her a certificate of divorce and gives it to her and sends her on her way. This certificate is empowering for a woman, very empowering for a woman. It protects the woman, it keeps her safe. And and here's what I mean, because. In the ancient Near East, and when I say the ancient Near East, think the Middle East, back in ancient times. In the ancient Near East, women didn't have any property rights. In fact, women were property themselves. Women were considered property. So if a a husband says, you know what, I'm sending you away. Um, You displeased me, you're gone from me. I'm divorcing you, right? And so she sends away, but all her children belongs to him. All your children belong because, because the children, they can plow the land. They can keep the, keep the business going really well. And then she goes off, and then she goes and she marries someone else because she's got to survive. She's got to live. But here's the thing. The husband can go back to the woman and say, you know what? I'm taking you back. And, and he can just claim her. Just claim her, take her back. And then any children that she's had with this other person, he can claim them as well. Now he's got more people to, to, to plow the farm. right? So she had no rights whatsoever, even if the husband goes off on a long journey, and no one knows if he's going to come back. Like, is he dead? Oh, no. And the woman's struggling, she, oh, and then she gets married. And, 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 but if she, he comes back, he can claim it all. And so for a woman who's been sent away, and, she, and if she didn't have a certificate of divorce, because what a certificate of divorce did, it protected her. Because according to Deuteronomy 24, when you continue to read it, uh, uh, a person, if you divorce someone, you can't remarry them. You can't remarry them. So this certificate protected her from being claimed back, it, get, it empowered her, so then if she gets married, because if she didn't have the certificate, no one will want to marry her. You know, I can't marry you, because what if your husband claims you back? He takes my children. So, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're damaged goods. Sorry about it, but you're damaged goods. But a certificate of divorce empowered the woman, it protected her, it kept her safe. So having a certificate of, of, of divorce was a wonderful thing in the ancient Near East. So, fast forward to Jesus to the time of Jesus. Now, in the time of Jesus, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one became very controversial, became very controversial in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one. And the reason why it became very controversial was the interpretation was the interpretation of, of this word, "something indecent." Remember, evat, we see, it, evat means nakedness, means sexual morality. Well, it's, evat devar is the phrase, something indecent. And so the, there, was, there was two Hebrew chain of thoughts when it came to the two schools of thought. One was the uh, Shemai school of thought. And when they interpreted um, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, they were saying, yeah, well, it means what it means. It means that if, if a woman or, or, or if a man, if, if there's um, there's some sexual immorality, it means that that's the grounds for divorce. It means what it means. But then you had these other rabbis. They were called the halal. And, and according to halal, they took this, this phrase, this phrase, and they split it in two because divah means a thing. Diva means a thing. They split it in two. And they said, you know what? You can marry a woman for anything, for any cause. For any for any reason, if she burns dinner, you can divorce her. If you see someone much prettier than her, you can divorce her. And so this was this this hotly debated topic back in the time of Jesus. These these two rabbinic uh, thoughts, and it was very controversial back in the, back in the day. Which you know, oh, uh, you can divorce a woman for any reason, any cause, for anything. No, 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 no. Sexual morality. This is, these were the two school of thoughts, and so when we when we when we read Jesus talking about divorce in the Bible, this is the Pharisees. They they put Jesus to the test. They want to know, Jesus, where do you stand on this debate? Where do you stand? And this is where we pick up in the story in Matthew chapter nineteen, verse three. Some Pharisees they came to him to test him. They asked, "Is it lawful for a man?" to divorce his wife for any and every reason, right? There it is, the, the, the any cause debate. Okay, come on, hey, Jesus, what side do you stand on? Can you divorce a woman for any cause, or is it because of some sexual immorality? What side do you stand on, Jesus? Right? But here's the thing. Jesus is not interested in talking about divorce because he's more interested in protecting marriage, because you want to talk about divorce? I'm, I'm here about marriage. It's about marriage. And he begins to, to, to teach them about marriage in verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female. Male and female. That's it. <laughs> and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It's really interesting because Jesus added the word two. When you read the original scripture, there's not two. So indicating that a marriage is between one man and one woman. He said, get rid of this polygamy rubbish. It's between one man and one woman. And the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. See, Jesus points back to the original design for marriage, what God had intended for marriage, that marriage was between one man and one woman, and it was meant to be forever. Jesus wasn't interested in talking about divorce. He was interested in protecting marriage. This is what he was interested in. Verse 7. Why then, then they asked, why then did Moses command, everyone say command, Why did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? They're like, okay, that's cool, Jesus. We understand, yeah, marriage is forever and all this. But, uh, hey, get back. We want to know, where do you stand? Just answer the question. Answer the question, Jesus. Verse 8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted. Jesus corrects them. Moses didn't command. But he permitted, he allowed you. He didn't command you to divorce your wife. He permitted, he allowed. And he said, come on, get that right. Do you know your scripture or not? That's what Jesus saying to the Pharisees, command. He permitted, he allowed. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. This isn't, Marriage is supposed to be protected, nourished, and cared for. See, Jesus, he didn't like the idea of divorce. He didn't like the idea one bit because it was too easy. It was too easy and it became normal. Divorce should not be normal. Because when we're created in the image of God and we begin to to reflect the image of God to one another, marriage will be protected. The minute we stop reflecting the image of God to one another, that's when we go... Begin to go different ways. And if you're in a marriage right now, begin to reflect the image of God to your husband. Begin to image, reflect the image of God to your wife. The minute we stop doing that, we find ourselves in trouble. So where is your relationship with God? To be devoted to God means you've got to be devoted to others. You've got to be devoted to God. You want to be devoted to God? Be devoted to your wife. Be devoted to your husband. See, Jesus is quoting Jeremiah. When you read Jeremiah chapter 4, where God is divorcing Israel, why was God divorcing Israel? Because of hardness of heart. Because Israel had hardened their hearts. And Jesus is saying it's because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. You know, sometimes it just gets so terrible in a marriage. Sometimes it gets so bad. Sometimes there is no other way forward. And God knew that there had to be some way in which to end a marriage. Not because God wants us to sin. And not because God wants to end marriage. But because we do sin. And we do kill marriages. And you get these really abusive Abusive marriages, that is just too dangerous to be in. And there has to be an exit door. Then Jesus, he finally answers them. He finally lets them know where he stands on this debate. Where he stands on this Deuteronomy chapter 24 debate. Talking about, is it sexual immorality? Is it adultery? Being unfaithful? Or was it for any cause? He finally answers them in verse 9. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. That's what he says. Jesus is not saying remarriage is wrong. He's not saying that. What he is saying, he's saying remarriage after a divorce for any cause. He's saying that is wrong. Divorce for any cause is wrong. Because you're not properly divorced yet according to to biblical grounds. That's what he's saying. And you know, when we read the same story in Mark and and we read it in Luke, we don't read the the any grounds. They simply just come to Jesus. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? That's all all we say. They don't say for any grounds. And the reason being is because the the writers of Mark and the writers of Luke expect you to really know the context. If I say to you, is it legal for a young man is it legal for an 18-year-old to drink? If I say that to you, you know you already know the context. If he didn't know the context, you go, "Of course, of course it is. Otherwise, they'll get dehydrated. If they weren't allowed to drink, they'll get dehydrated and die." But because you know the context, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So when we read the story in Mark and we read the story in Luke, this is what the, the, the writers really think you really know the context. But Matthew, he adds it in there. He adds it in there. And so whenever we read Scripture, whenever they're quoting something, we have always got thinking, that the references are always going back to the Old Testament and this whole thing. And the Apostle Paul is doing exactly the same thing. We'll quickly have a look at Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He's doing exactly the same thing. So when Apostle Paul is talking, he's got Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1 in mind. And he says, To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. He's talking of Jesus a wife must not separate from her husband. See, in, in the Roman law, in order to enact a divorce, you just have to separate. And now you're divorced. That's Roman law. A wife must not separate from her husband, verse 11, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Paul's applying Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. You can't just get a divorce for any cause. You can't just walk out on a marriage for any reason. Right? Just because you, you're, you're unhappy, this, he's not saying, look, he says, fight for your marriage. Jesus is saying, fight for your marriage. He's talking, you're asking me about divorce, I'm saying, fight for your marriage. Do all that you can, not for any cause. Do all that you can. And the apostle Paul is saying the same. Don't just walk out, because if you walk out and marry someone else, you can't reconcile. You can't reconcile. So reconcile. Reconcile before you get to that point. Because if you get to that point and you remarry, then you can't reconcile. And you can't then all of a sudden, oh, you know, I'm, I'm remarried, but I'm not supposed to be remarried, so I'm going to divorce you and go back to my husband. No, you're still breaking law. You, you can't compound sin. You know, two wrongs don't make a right. It doesn't work like that. And the apostle Paul, he's not against re- remarriage. He's, he's against remarriage for any cause. That's what he's against. Fight for your marriage. So what, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? It means that if you are in a marriage and you're struggling, if you are in, in a marriage and it, and it feels so tough, it means that we need to fight for our marriages. Divorce shouldn't be the norm. Jesus will say, do all that you can and don't harden your heart. Because as soon as you harden your heart, there's no reconciliation. Jesus said, don't harden your heart. You know, how many times that? How many times did Jesus say forgive? Seven times 77. He said, how many times, times do you forgive? God kept on forgiving. Israel kept going in adultery. And yet he forgave them again and again until we got to a point. Keep forgiving them until there comes a point. Don't harden your heart. Do all that you can. Fight for your marriage. Get help. We're better together. Talk to someone. See someone. Speak to your pastor. Speak to... Pastor PJ, <laughs> she's really good. Speak to someone. Do all that you can. We're better together. It's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. Do all that you can. And here's the thing. If you are in an abusive marriage or any relationship, I say, yeah, do all you can Right. Granted, I said, do all you can to fight for your marriage. But if you are in an abusive marriage, if you are in an abusive relationship, get out. Get safe. Safety is your priority. Don't misread scripture and say, oh, I've got to stay, or, even though he's beating me, even though he's doing, even though uh, she's abusing me and all these things, that, oh, well, scripture says I've got to stay and be faithful, and if I just pray hard enough, but if according to the Old Testament, violating all the rules, violating all the grounds, safety first, get out. God has given you a way out. He's given you a way out, and here's the thing. If you are divorced, you need to understand something. It's not the unforgivable sin. Don't listen to the lie of the God can't use me because I'm a divorcee. Don't listen to that lie. God is not done with you yet. His plans for you are good and not evil. And maybe you're here and you're remarried, or maybe you did get a divorce for any cause. Maybe you did get a a divorce for any cause. What do I do? That was me. I just walked up because I just wasn't happy and now I'm remarried. What do I do? This is what we do. We come before God and say, forgive me. Forgive me. We come before God and say, forgive me. Forgive me and help me not do that again. Help me not break my marriage vows again. We come before God. Here's the thing. When we come before God and we repent before him, he forgives you. And you shouldn't lose sight of that because it's never too late for grace. It's never too late for grace. See, the prophet Malachi, (laughs) the prophet Malachi, the Italian prophet, Malachi, you know, the Prophet Malachi, the tele okay, just the Prophet Malachi. This is what he says. He, he tells us that God hates divorce. That's what the Prophet Malachi says. Says that God hates divorce. Do you know why God hates divorce? It's because he had to divorce Israel and it broke his heart. Anyone who's ever had a divorce will tell you it's not a good thing. Anyone who's been for a divorce will say that they hate divorce. If you're in a marriage, do all that you can. Don't harden your heart. Don't let it come to that. Do all that you can. Begin to reflect the image of God to one another. It's never too late for grace. The prophets tell us that Israel committed adultery against God again and again and again. But God still loved Israel. And He was determined to bring her back. And He finds a way around Deuteronomy chapter 24, because we Remember? Deuteronomy chapter 24 says you can't remarry someone, you're divorced. But God is so fanatically in love with Israel that he finds a way to be with his beloved. And the prophet Isaiah in chapter 62 says that God's people will be reborn, will be a new bride, a newly virgin bride. It's a wonderful image. And this is how God did it you were separated from god every single one of us we were separated from god we were doing things our own way i'm not going to listen to anybody else but me myself and i we were separated from god and we and but god saw us drowning in our despair He saw us drowning in our pain, so he stepped into his creation. And in the fullness of Jesus, he dies on the cross to bring you back into a right relationship with him. And the Bible tells us that when you receive Christ, you become a new creation. You are born anew. The old has gone and new has come. Regardless of what you were doing yesterday, regardless of what you are doing last night, regardless of what you are doing this morning, that we can come before God. And God says that we will never be separated again. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Because it's never too late for grace. And If you're in this room, come on. You, you've got this guilt. Will you bring that before God? And if you're on, your marriage is struggling, I encourage you. See someone. We're better together. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. And if you're in a dangerous situation, get up. Get up. God has made a way for you. God loves you. He's for you. He'll never abandon you ever. This is this new covenant. We're born again. Because it's never too late for grace. God is so fanatically in love with you that he laid down his life for you so that you can be born anew and so we can be back in a right relationship with him because it's never too late for grace.